All right, good morning. Hey, happy Memorial Day weekend. We're glad that you're here with us. And before you get too comfortable, we are kicking off a series called You Asked For It. And what we've been doing the past few weeks, we've been gathering questions from you. uh, And we're going to base a message series for three weeks on these questions that we've received. But before we get into that, I have three questions for you. So if you came with someone or maybe you uh, see someone close to you, we're going to just quickly do an exercise. And the first question that we're going to talk amongst ourselves is Coke or Pepsi? So talk, go. Talk to your neighbor. Mountain Dew is Pepsi. The only redeeming thing with Pepsi is all I'm going to say. All right, the second one. Here we go. This is getting really deep. Are aliens real? Yes or no? Come on. Talk to your neighbor. The third one, we're getting really, really deep. You got to talk. Come on, maybe shout out to someone next to you. Here's the third one. Star Wars or Star Trek? Come on, say it again. I don't think I heard it. What is it? Okay, I gotcha. We got some good, we got some good questions. And uh, in this series, again, we're going to talk about things that are real to us. And today we're going to answer a few questions. It's not going to be based just on one questions, one question, but a few of them are why do bad things happen to good people? What does the Bible have to say about significance and purpose and what it means to be a follower of Jesus? And is the Bible true? Is the Bible something that we can read from and know that it's authoritative? How do I begin to talk to my kids about faith? Those are some of the questions we're going to dive into today. And before I begin, I have a photo I want to show you guys. This is uh, 2010 when I started here at Four Corners. Um, you can see <laughs> you can see how happy I, I look, but. Uh, around here, if you're just kind of standing around, we always have places to vacuum. Uh, being in a big space, this is at our old Zion, uh, Zion building, and this was June, July is when I started in 2010, and so I'm entering in and finishing my ninth year at Four Corners, and it's some of the best, awesome memories of this place, and what makes that special is the people that are found within Four Corners. It's an extraordinary place, it's an extraordinary church. And we know that it's not just the location, because that location was different than the location here. And a big part of that is due to my boss and my pastor, Pastor Ben. And someone told me three things that are super important in life that are, that are very, very significant. And the first one is deciding to follow Jesus Christ. That's really, really, really important in your life. And the second thing is the pastor you follow as you become a disciple. And the third thing is finding a godly spouse. And and number two is what I want to focus on for just one second. Is in your faith, hearing the word of God taught isn't enough. It's got to be enough of a word that I can actually put it into my life and put it into my marriage and put it into my friendships. And I believe we have a pastor who does that extraordinarily well. And I wouldn't want to begin the message uh, without honoring him, without honoring Jill. And I'm so grateful that I've actually kind of grown up at a church where we make that a priority. So before I begin, can you give thanks to Ben and Jill with me? And as we kind of dive into the message today, and and, and maybe you're brand new to church, and I want to encourage you, if this is your first time with us, or maybe you're just kind of checking us out over the weekend, I want to encourage you that you are among people who enjoy being here. 
<laughs> You're actually with people who enjoy church. You're actually with people who, whose marriage has been restored, whose, whose life is different, whose kids are learning about Jesus in a completely new and fresh way because of attending this church. And even if you're not all down with Jesus yet, or maybe you're still exploring the idea of Jesus, just becoming a better person, you can do that here. And what we're going to do is we're going we're to look here at the Bible, and for us, it's, 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 not, it's more than a book. This is more than just a book. And, and, and maybe you're, you've been following the Lord for a while and you're like, man, I, just, I, haven't, I haven't heard God speak. Or I just feel like he's not in my life. And what we say a lot around here is you open up this book and you speak this and you read it out loud. And there is a way to hear God speak. And before we answer any questions about purpose or significance or anything like that, I want to lead you to your message notes. And we're going to take our first uh, couple points here. And, and, and this is what it says. It says, your view of the Bible, right here, your view of the Bible will determine how powerful it is in your life. So your view of the Bible, which we're going to read from today, will determine how powerful it is in your life. Because it, it makes sense, right? If you just see this as a book, if you just see this as a, a, a do-good or you see this as a, a checklist, that's about the extent of the power that this text will have. And so maybe even this morning, just before we even talk about anything else, maybe our view of the Bible just needs to expand. Maybe our view of the Bible needs to be more than just something we do, but something we read and something that is daily. It's called our daily bread Something that brings life and significance to us. And your view of this will determine how powerful it is. So we're going to open this today and we're going to read from it. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1. And what I believe is one of the most powerful, awesome, incredible scriptures and texts that you'll ever find. And, and, and right, if, again, there's no shame and I've done this many times. Go to the table of contents. <laughs> uh, kind of look, search for Mark. Okay, mine is 836. There's no shame in that. Go there. If you have it on your phone, you can search it. It's kind of in the middle, a little bit to the right. And we're going to learn a story in here, but something that's true. But our view of it has to be shaped correctly. Right? That's just true for, for all of us. And for a few moments today, I'd love to encourage us together to, to, to start seeing our own life as more than just when we're born and when we die. So just for a few minutes, we can shape our mind and shape our hearts around the idea that there's more to life than just the time that we're born and the time that we die. And unless Jesus Christ comes back, the death rate in this room is hovering right at 100%. <laughs> I'm not trying to bring bad news, but you will die in eternity matters. And so what we're going to learn today, and what I encourage you to do is open your hearts to maybe what God is wanting to, to plant in there. And there's about 40 writers and one author in this. And I challenge you, before we dive in, I challenge you, get your own copy. What's really cool about this Bible is uh, my mom gave this to me in 2009. And in 2009, I was a junior in high school. She wrote in it. She could have written a bunch of things. Hey, you know, straighten up or uh, uh, read this when you're you know, really down. And I can be honest, I, I've used this Bible but there's also been times in my life that there's a little bit of dust collecting on this. And there's been times when 
I couldn't find it, <laughs> to be honest. There's times when it's been right by my side. This Bible's been out of the country with me. This Bible was with me when I got married. This Bible was with me as we went on our honeymoon. This Bible's been with me, and there's power in having your own Bible. And man, I love iPhones. We always joke about iPhones. If you have an Android in here, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you got to find an iPhone, something. But you can have it on your phone, but there's power in having your own Bible. And your view of the Bible will determine how powerful it is. So I want to build some context uh, with a map. So uh, on the screen, you're going to see a map. And what I want you to do is open your Bible, turn Mark chapter 1 while this map stays there. That's what we're going to be doing most of our study and time today. And what's really phenomenal here is Jesus is beginning to do his ministry. And in, in, and in verse 14, he, it actually says that Jesus begins his ministry. So Mark chapter 1, we see uh, where we're going to be is at the Sea of Galilee. So right there in the middle, as you go up, you see Galilee, Lake, Tiber Lake Tiberias, Sea of Galilee, same thing. It's right there. And, and, and Jesus is beginning his work in, in Galilee, and he kind of has to in some ways, because 700 years earlier, 700 years earlier, Isaiah predicts in Isaiah 9 in this text that a child would be born, a son would be given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And that person, Jesus, must go to Galilee. And it were just another promise that's fulfilled in this text. And we see Jesus spend most of his time here. And as you're looking there, you'll begin to see... As we're going to talk about fishermen, you're going to see the importance of the Sea of Galilee. Because if you go north, so if you go up, Syria, if you go south, Egypt. And the Sea of Galilee, it's a beautiful lake that is about 14 miles long and 7 miles wide, far north of Jerusalem. It's nearly the size of Washington, D.C. So it doesn't really feel like a lake. And there's many of our friends here at Lake Norris that aren't joining us today or maybe at a lake in Tennessee. It is similar to that in a way that it is a lake. And during Jesus' time, 16 ports on the Sea of Galilee enabled commercial fishermen to export fish south, north, and it was really a hub of this business. And what I've done, and, I've, and man, I love our tech team, and what I've done is there's a live capture of the Sea of Galilee that I gathered. So, uh, Tim, if you can, if you could just uh, fade the lights just a little bit, we're going to kind of make it like Disney in here. And uh, we've got the hose. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're not going to spray you anything. The sound is on. And this is what you could expect in the Sea of Galilee. Pretty peaceful. Pretty calm. You can hear birds. And this is the location that Jesus would begin his ministry. Here's what it says if you're following along. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing along the Sea of Galilee could look just like this. Imagine you're on the shore. He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them. 
And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And I brought a couple props with me. And right here, this isn't what they were using, this orange uh, fisher pole where I kind of whoop. And, no, I'm just kidding. And uh, they weren't using this type of rod to catch fish at this time. They were fishermen as Jesus enters the scene. What they were doing, you can kind of imagine, they probably didn't have gloves from Home Depot, but a big net, and these men were strong men. They, I think when I originally read this, I think fishermen, I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe they just couldn't find a job in the city. Maybe they just couldn't get the accounting job, or maybe they just couldn't get, that, that's actually not true. They had jobs, and this was their livelihood. And the thing about a fisherman is it's super simple. A good day for a fisherman is a lot of fish. <laughs> you catch a lot of fish, you scale a lot of fish, cut them up, sell them, eat them. It's a good day. A bad day for a fisherman, which we're going to look at a little bit later on today as we talk, is no fish. That They cast out a massive net, and in the hopes, it goes deep, and they're pulling it in in the hopes of gathering different fish. And that's the kind of men... That's the kind of people that Jesus calls out to. And just imagine, just for one moment, just, just imagine how magnetic Jesus must be. How magnetic he must be to, 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 to come up on the scene and say, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what Jesus does, does is so interesting is he, he talks about something they understand. They understand fish. They understand it actually pretty, pretty well. And then what he uses in that second sentence is a little different. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And as we answer a few questions today, the beginning of this passage is so important. And there's some words to highlight that I think are pretty interesting. And in it, it says the time, verse 15, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. And anytime I have the opportunity to speak, I love to go really, really deep and learn some really cool things. And I am not, like, correct, I am not a Greek scholar, and I am not saying it to impress you. <laughs> but there's two things that says the time is fulfilled that I think are important for us today. I love Skyline. I, I didn't prepare this, but I love Skyline. And when I'm at Skyline, I love to get a four-way, light onion habanero cheese. Anybody raise their hands? Anybody like some Skyline in this room? Y'all are lying. There we go. No one raised their hand for Gold Star, because, no, I'm just kidding. And at Skyline, at Skyline, they have the best side Greek salad. So, my knowledge of Greek studies goes as far as Skyline's side Greek salad. And I know it well. Diced tomatoes, onions. I'm telling you what, today after church, you tell them the pastor at four, yeah, the pastor sent you over there. No. Um, but there's, there's interesting here. There's two ancient Greek words that can be translated as time. And the first one is chronos. That's really just singular time in Greek. Kronos, like the time, so 9.54, the time. The next thing is, is kairos, and it means the strategic opportunity, the decisive time, the time is fulfilled. Jesus is declaring that the time has come. The time you've been waiting for, the time has come. It is a significant moment. And, and before we learn anything more about this text, I just want to ask the question, what if, what if today... God is tapping on your shoulder and inside your heart and you're feeling a prompting. I, I believe that could actually happen. That's kind of how God works. 
And he's declaring over you and saying, hey, it's a strategic time for you to begin following me. Could be today, Memorial Day weekend, 2019. I believe it. The strategic time, the time has come, is fulfilled. It says, repent and believe in the gospel. And before we see Jesus do any miracles, before we see Jesus begin to heal people, we got to remember that Jesus was a teacher. He's a communicator. And it was really, really simple. And he said, repent and believe. Turn from something else and embrace something else. And as we talk about significance, there's always this question of, I have to leave something, and I believe that maybe the question is we're looking at, I have to leave something for something else. Because if you keep on adding things, you, you keep on adding things to your list as a human being, or keep on adding things and not realizing you've got to leave some things behind. That's what Jesus is saying here. And Dallas Willard, he once wrote this about discipleship. He says, discipleship, so Growing in your faith is becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. And you might not be a fisherman, but you are a something. You are a something. And at 4C, you know, we are here to provide families their best opportunity their best chance to become fully developing followers of Jesus Christ. And the truth here, if you're following along in your message notes, the truth here is Christianity, the faith that we're all striving for, Christianity is not about rules to follow, activities to avoid, or people to help. That's not what it's about. As Jesus is calling for his, his first disciples, his first friends, his first followers, we see that Christianity is not about rules to follow or activities to avoid or even people to help. That's not what it's about. Christianity, in the second line here, Christianity has always been about following Jesus. It's always been about following Jesus. And there's a, there's, there's a man in the story, Simon. So Jesus gives him a new name. We're calling him Peter. Simon, Peter, same person. And this message isn't about Peter. But, but we begin to see in his life this process of following Jesus and actually following him pretty closely. And in the moment, you got to imagine, he's got his net. In the moment, he's fishing. Peter's out there, and he knows what he's doing. Like, he knows He's opening the door, or he's opening the gate, he's throwing this in from the boats. He's gathering fish. And in the moment, Jesus calls and says, follow me, Peter. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Peter understands it. What Peter doesn't understand is it's going to be a process as he begins to follow the Lord. And once these men agree to follow Jesus in the book of Mark, they did not change overnight. It took a it, took a lot of time. And time passes, and I, I wish I, we had more time, but time passes in this, in this text. And if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in this Bible, they're all telling the same story, just a little differently, different views, different perspectives. And what we see is Jesus performs some unbelievable miracles. Some unbelievable things happen. That, and Jesus in his time on earth, wow. I mean, the stories just go on and on as you kind of 
He's talking parables. He's healing a man with a demon. He's rejected at Nazareth. He feeds the 4,000. We're kind of skipping ahead in Peter's life. And if you're following along, we go to John 21. And after Peter had been following Jesus super closely, and he had seen Jesus crucified on a cross, and he'd seen miracles happen, and he had cut off a dude's ear. <laughs> Peter was, he was a mean dude. He cussed. He still had this residue of his former life. And in John 21, after the, the resurrection and Jesus appears to Mary, we see in John 21 where Peter, a man in this story, and a man that I can identify with, and maybe you can too, says a phrase, if you're following along, chapter 21, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. He hadn't been fishing before after following Jesus. And he says, and fast forward some, some bit of time, it says, I am going fishing. So we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. And I, and as I'm reading the story, you got to think, these are professional fishermen who know the water, who know where to find fish, who know the gear, and on the worst of worst of worst days, these fishermen would probably catch at least one fish, right? You'd hope. But that night they caught nothing. Follow with us here. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Man, again, they thought he was dead. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, <laughs> look, when my mom called me child, William, uh, whatever she chose to pick for my name, I was in trouble. Or she was talking to me like I was a child. <laughs> and you got to imagine, he says, children, do you have any fish? I believe he knows the answer, but he's going to ask anyway. They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Peter looks to his friends after following the Lord closely for years. says, we've tried all sides of the boat. We have tried. So what do they do? They cast it and they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon P Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. And if, if I can meddle, and we get kind of just to the, the, the down, the, the bedrock of what I'm talking about, I believe there may be a few people in, in this room who you've decided to follow Jesus. Like, you've made the commitment in your heart. You've, you, you've signed up for the thing. You've committed your life to Jesus Christ, but there's times when you say, I can't handle this anymore. I, I'm going back to fishing. 
And there's times in Will's life when I've signed up for the thing and I've committed my life because I've seen God speak. And my guess is you've, you, you've felt the presence of the Lord in some way, possibly. Maybe you haven't. That's okay. Maybe you've, you've heard a, or, or read a passage that, that hit you deep, but a lot of times in our life, we have that extraordinary experience with the Lord, and we want to go back to what's comfortable. And we see Peter, whose life is drastically different than it was, and his, and his life is looking much different than it did. He's going back, and he's saying, hey, you know what? This is, this is something I know really, really, really well. I can fish. And all those things that I saw that Jesus performed, all the miracles that happened, all the things that were extraordinary, Jesus, I know how to fish. Like, if anything else, I'm going back to this because I know it really, really well. And it's true in our faith. It's true in our life as we pursue significance, as we pursue purpose, as we, as we wonder how to navigate this world, the truth of the matter is it's not just about making a one-time decision to sign up to follow the Lord. And we see in his life that it continually is a process. And when Jesus said, follow me, follow me, I will make you fishers of men, we hear a promise that he is going to make us something. And you can imagine Peter in that boat, John chapter 21. He's got his items. He's opening up. He's, I mean, they've been working all night. <laughs> they don't know what is going on. They've been working, and they've been, they're sweating. They're getting ready. They're, 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 you know, they're pulling out, you know, what's in here? Well, we tried that bait. Let's try something else. We haven't caught anything. Why am I going, why am I going back fishing? Well, I'm going to keep trying it. He's digging deep in his bag. He's looking. He's trying to find something to lure the fish. And Jesus approaches him, the same Jesus that he's been following pretty closely. And if I can meddle, I think a lot of times it's comfortable to go back to what we're used to. And if we think of purpose, I I believe that God's called us for a purpose and he's called us for a plan. And he's called us to do something. And he realizes that we're not all fishermen. And if we're following the Lord closely, there is a connection that that fishermen, they fish. (laughs) That's what they do. And we see Peter, and the text isn't on the screen. So when they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of of large fish, 153 of them, a lot. And although they were so many, the net was torn, not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you, Lord? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. There's a truth that it is true for believers that following the Lord, so following the Lord, it will cost you something. I wish it didn't. Can I be 100% honest? I wish it said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all the things you do, it's going to be okay and you're going to have a bunch of money in the bank account and everything will be great. That's what I wish it said. 
Don't you? Man, it comes to being a dad and when it comes to being a father, I wish, I wish it said when I decide to leave my wants and my desires and my goals, Lord, when you tell me to do that, you've got me, right? We know he does. But following the Lord closely will cost you. Believers, it will cost you something. It always does. It always has. We look back at Mark and the guys who signed up. They left their family business. They left what they knew was comfortable. They left what they knew really, really well to follow a man they didn't know much about. And believers, it will cost you something. Following Jesus will lead to a lifestyle of transformation. So maybe you walked in this morning and um, you had asked one of the questions and you're wondering kind of, um, you know, what, what, what is it going to take? And for Peter, I'm in in the story and Following Jesus was, didn't lead to just a one-time decision. It led to a lifestyle change. <laughs> a lifestyle change of full-on, complete transformation. And for Peter, in Acts 4.13, it says this. Now when they saw, talking about Peter, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Peter had been with Jesus. So following the Lord doesn't mean you're not going to have some setbacks. <laughs> doesn't mean that you're not going to have easy street. I believe a lot of times when, when tribulation happens in our life and, 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 and it doesn't work exactly as we had planned, that's often the time that Jesus shows up. The brightest, because where else can we look? In John 21, he's been fishing all night. <laughs> he's been casting his net. They've been looking for fish. They're professional fishermen, but they can't catch anything. And for us, it's the same way. And maybe you've gone back to what you're comfortable with. Maybe you've gone back to something that just makes more sense to you. Jesus invites all of us to a lifestyle of becoming. So, transformation, it happens. And in 2019, men and women and students who are in the room right now, Jesus is inviting us to a lifestyle of becoming. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, this is Peter speaking, All of you have unity of mind, sympathy, Brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. And we're beginning to see just slowly as Peter begins to write and, be, and begins to realize that following the Lord, it was worth whatever he left behind. Always is worth it.
passing along the Sea of Galilee. He saw, he saw Simon and Andrew. We're rereading. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets. Immediately. Immediately. And if you're new to this and you've got your Bible, there's something really, really cool about the book of Mark. Something I love as a man, as I'm looking for excitement, as I'm looking for adventure. The book of Mark, there's 42 times that immediately is said. So, immediately, Jesus went here. Immediately, Jesus went here. Immediately, so action. And part of what I'm going to challenge you to do is this week, read that. It's going to come up in the bold steps soon. But read this because it's full of action. It's full of just great truth. Immediately, immediately. And if we go to our terms for us today, your value and purpose comes directly from the Lord. So in the You Asked For It message series, and, and, and as I sit with, with men and, and people who are asking, hey, what, what does it even mean to, to follow the Lord? What does it even mean? I can tell you that the most important conversations aren't about the career choices. They're important, but the decisions about where to send the kids to school or whether they go into college or uh, what they're doing now with their free time and whether you're a parent of a millennial and they're still in your basement, and it, those are important. But, but what's really, really, really important is, is talking about your value and your significance in the light of Jesus Christ. That's what's important. And as people ask questions, but also we meet with folks, that is, that's what we talk about because that's what's important. Your value and purpose comes from the Lord. And we see in this story, and we see in Mark, in this, in this text, that his purpose and plan doesn't always match our wants and desires. His perfect plan and his perfect printout for what we need to be and, and, and created to be doesn't always match our wants and desires. I know that. That's been the case for Will, for me, in a lot of ways in my life. The way I saw it, and the way I designed it, and the way I scripted it, and maybe even the way I prayed for it, isn't always what God's calling me to. But He is calling me to follow Him. And He is calling me to follow Him and trust Him. And He promises to make me, and He promises to make you a fisher of men. That's His promise. And with being a fisher of men comes significance and comes purpose and comes in that deep-seated part of our soul and our heart. The fulfillment that comes from following the Lord is unlike any job. It's unlike any promotion. It's unlike any house or car we could purchase. Following the Lord closely is just an inner confidence. It's hard to explain. Dropping your net. And following the Lord is not an experience. It's about a, a relationship. And in your notes, there's a difference between an experience and a relationship. That's what we're talking about today. There's a difference between an experience and a relationship. And look, uh, um, uh, Christian men in the room and, and fathers, there, there, there is something special. There's something unique. There is something absolutely extraordinary about being in the moment when your son or daughter is born. I'm telling you what, it is the most magnificent thing, I believe, in the planet. 
So I think about the memory, and just over about a year ago, my son Landon was born at Christ Hospital, about 12.23 p.m., pretty late, right in front of Mother's Day. And i got to tell you, it was one of the most special experiences ever. But the truth is, raising him to be a godly man and raising him to be a fisher of men is more about a relationship, and it's less about an experience. And Christian women, being, being in a small group and, and being plugged in and having your family at church, it is worthwhile. Don't stop doing it. It is an experience. But having a house full of respect and showing honor to your kids, showing honor to your husband, Christian women, it's not easy. And, and, and one experience or two won't cut it. It's about a relationship. And we see it in this story that, that, that God's not calling Peter just to an experience, a one-time thrill of fishing for men and fishing for men. He's saying, follow me and I will, together with you in relationship, craft you into what I originally designed for you. Craft and design and sculpt you into what I already have planned for you. And being a dad, and, and it's a little outside of the, the script, but being a dad um, and Christian men and husbands and fathers, um, being engaged with this, like being engaged, engaged in this and being engaged with your kids, um, it's, it's so much more important than only being engaged at work. And... Being engaged here and leading your family with, with this is so much more important than the promotion and the, the thing at work that's happening. And you're only, as a Christian dad, I'm only speaking to Christian men here, not even, don't have to be a father, but just Christian men in general. If you do have kids, the only leadership role that, you, that really can't be replaced is your role as a father. So your, your job at work can be replaced by someone else. Um, your job at the, the club or the whatever, it can be replaced by someone else. But the only leadership position that Jesus has called you to be and to do, is the, it, 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 it is leading your family. And it is being engaged in this word. And it is trusting what God has said originally when he called you the first time he called you. A lot of times I have to be reminded of that because, man, I, I love to go fishing. You know what I'm saying. I love to go back to what's comfortable I love to go back to what's normal and, and, and easy for me. But I'm telling you, when you step out of your comfort zone and you say, God, I trust you. And you say, God, take me to where you want to take me. And we see it in Peter's life. It wasn't easy for Peter. But man, it was so worth it. An experience is only a short experience. And coming to church, man, don't stop coming. Don't, please don't stop coming. We love when you're here. But just coming and, and, and having an experience is way different than coming and having this be a spark to an already happening relationship with Jesus Christ. Let this be a big meal. Y'all, I love food. I already talked about Skyline today, but I love a big meal. But man, if you're just coming and it's just an experience for an hour, hour and a half here, it's not enough to sustain you for the rest of your week. It's not. And Jesus will guide you to somewhere you are not. And God can use your past for his glory. 
Someone wrote, to achieve great things, you need a plan and not enough time. (laughs) So true. God's got a plan for you. God's got a reason he's calling you here. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He is a rebel who must lay down his arms. Fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. And y'all, you need improvement, and I do too, but there's so much more to it. He is a rebel who must lay down his arms, who must say, the ways of being a fisherman and my former self and the way I think is right is done. I am signing on to what Jesus has for me. Count me in. Count me in. And following the Lord will require something from you. It always does. There's a Jesus storybook Bible. And if you're a parent or just you love reading this, I love reading this to Landon. And I wish that when I opened the text, he would just like fall and thank me. And oh my gosh, thank you, Dad, for reading the Bible to me. No, he always either like poops or cries or whatever. But I'm still going to read him this. (laughs) Sally Lloyd-Jones, the author of this, and we're going to talk about the great rescue, what we learned today in Mark said this, Jesus left the desert and set about the great rescue. I don't know what it is, y'all, the dad bone. <laughs> it's called the dad bone. I just called that. I just phrased it. Whenever I start reading this, I start tearing up. I don't, I don't get it, man. Becoming a dad is great. He was going to get God's people back. But first, he needed to find some helpers and friends. He had a lot to do. He would need some people to help him. Who would make good helpers? Do you think clever ones, rich ones, strong, important ones? Some people might think so, but I'm sure by now you don't need me to tell you that that they'd be wrong because the people God uses don't have to know a lot of things or have a lot of things. They just need to need him a lot. One day, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee when he saw some brothers and friends mending their nets. They were fishermen. Jesus called out to them and said, let's go. Meeting Jesus would change all of them forever. And we're about to wrap up here. And I want to ask you just a, a very simple question that, that really starts with what we just read. That Do you need... Jesus, because he's looking for helpers. He's looking for fishermen and women. He's looking for people to sign on and say, I don't have all the skills. I don't know how to maybe properly use this. But man, if you said you're going to be with me while I'm using it, I want in on that. That if you promise you're going to make me something, Jesus, I'm going to follow you by your word. And that when you said you're going to make me, I believe that you are going to make me something. And I'm going to put away my career. I'm going to put away the things that I think are important. I'm going to sign on and say, God, I want that. I want that. And trust me, when you do, there's no greater joy and there's no greater thrill. And as a man and a follower of Jesus and as a woman, there's no greater thing than actively and quickly giving your life to Jesus and say, use me. I want to become a fisher of men. Use me. God, use me. 
And my prayer for us today isn't that we would be inspired, even though I, I, I hope you are. And I, my prayer isn't maybe that you would be impressed, and maybe I hope that you would too. But my prayer is that we would begin to realize and see you don't have to have it all together. <laughs> These fishermen didn't. And Jesus strategically used what they knew really well, which is fishing. He used that to call them and say, follow me. Follow me. The time is fulfilled. And maybe God's prompting on you right now to make a decision. And Pastor Josh talked about it, but right now next to you there's a connect card. And quickly, quickly grab that out. I want to take a couple steps together if we can. And maybe that you felt this calling and, and, and you've just said, man, I, I felt it. And I've been, I've been going back to this and I'm tired of going back. I'm tired of going back to my old ways. And today, maybe for the very first time, you heard something that's completely different. I want to challenge you to fill out next step A. And our promise to you is that like Peter, when you sign on, it doesn't mean challenges aren't going to happen. It doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. But it does mean that the inner soul of you will feel right because God created you to serve him. Next step B, coming up soon, is a baptism if you're already a follower of Jesus Christ and haven't been baptized, this is an opportunity for you to take your faith public, to say, hey, this thing that's happening in my heart, I want all my friends and church family to know. It's a powerful, powerful thing. Step C, I've, I've talked about this, is I will read the book of Mark. So, it's not super hard. Grab a Bible, grab your phone. I'll read the book of Mark this week, and then also send me a reminder and synopsis video from the Bible Project. It's about eight and a half minutes. You could search it, but they outline the book of Mark in just an extraordinary way, and it's helped as I begin to read, and it's helped as I begin to see. Step D, I'd like to host a 4C summer small group. Please contact me with details. So what we said about an experience, it's the same thing in small groups. This is an experience, but really the beginning point of a relationship with other believers who are following with you happens in a small group, and we are looking for small group leaders. If you fill out that step, we are going to contact you. We would love to give you more information about what's happening there. And the last one is send me the link to sign up for Grow, Becoming a Member on June 2nd. It's all about relationship. If you show up here, we're going to tell you a little bit about what we do as a church and how we encourage you, but more importantly, how you can become a deeper and greater follower of Jesus Christ. He's looking. He's looking for those who would follow him. He's looking. My prayer is that you heard something. Would you pray with us? We're going to continue. God, thank you for who you are. We're grateful that we can be in your presence this morning. We're grateful that we can trust you with everything, Lord. We give it to you. We trust you. We ask that you would be here. Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. And at this point,